All right, Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter number 3 is where we're going to be at this morning. Who can tell me what song he just played? Anybody know what song he played? Are you washed in the blood? Okay, uh, listen, if you try to get to heaven any way other than the blood of Christ, you're not washed, I'll tell you, because the washing comes from the, the blood of Jesus Christ, which covers our sins. And so you got to be washed in the blood of the Lamb if you're, if you're saved. And so uh, let me encourage you to, if you're not saved, to get washed. Because uh, that's the only way to go to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter number 3. Matthew chapter number 3. I would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the word of God. I'm going to read uh, quite a bit of this. So I hope uh, you don't mind uh, with that. But I'm going to read down through this Matthew chapter number 3 starting in verse number 1. It says, In those days John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he which was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and of leathern girdle about his loins, and meat was locust and wild honey, and went out, of, and, and went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when... He saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism. He said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. And think not that, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth forth not fruit is hew, uh, which bringeth forth not good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I want you to look back to verse number 1. We're going to talk about this passage, go down through some of the verses and preach through this passage this morning. But in Matthew chapter number 3, verse number 1, it says this, the very first three words, it says, In those days. In those days. I got to thinking about back to the days of John the Baptist, back to the days of the Bible days, and there were some things that took place back then that were the normal, that aren't the normal today. And we're going we're gonna to try to talk about those things and how we need to get back to those days. Why? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, he never changes. He's always the same. But I'm preaching a message to you this morning entitled, In Those Days. In Those Days. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the many blessings that you bestow upon us, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and worship you in this house today. Lord, I ask you to use me as your mouthpiece today. Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, I pray that you'll cleanse my heart of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit. 
Lord, I pray that your word will go forth today and stir our hearts for you. Lord, as we had our Sunday school hour, what a joy it was to be in your house for that time. And Lord, how we talked about faith this morning in the adult Sunday school class. And Lord, I know as all the other Sunday school classes were going on, Lord, how your word was being brought out and your name was being lifted up. And Lord, we claim that again this morning. Lord, we want you to be exalted, not ourselves to be exalted. Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. And we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. As I was thinking about the day and age in which we live in, where it's 2019 on the crest of 2020. Isn't that amazing? We're almost here at a 2020, and we think, wow, how time has flown by. And I begin to think about, just even in my lifetime, the changes that have taken place in the house of God. Uh, I, I've thought about in my life how we've come so far from what we used to be, and we wonder, why is it? Well, times have changed, preacher, and uh, you get that idea, well, you've you got you to gotta change your, your methods, uh, you've got to change your uh, message, you've got to change all those things if you're going to reach people in today's age that you live in. And uh, I got to looking back at this passage of Scripture, and it said, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, of Judea, and I was going down through, and there were six thoughts that I wrote down that they believed in back in those days that we ought to believe in in today's uh, society as well. There's a lot of times that we don't believe in the things that they used to believe in those days because the Bible's old-fashioned, and you know uh, we're not old-fashioned people anymore, and we we we're, we're in this 2019 uh, era in our lives. And listen, I do agree that there's been things that have changed. We have more opportunities to reach people in a less amount of time. I mean, we have technology at our fingertips, and the gospel can go out all throughout the world just in a matter of a click of a button. And uh, on our, our our website, people can look and watch the the videos of our services from the previous week and they can get on sermon audio and they can download the sermons and listen to them all across the world uh, and and we have all these things going on and there's more technology that they didn't have back then but there's some fundamental things that we need to get back to uh, today in today's society that they don't uh, that they weren't uh, that they used to do in, back in the Bible days and they have done throughout the generation but in the vast majority we don't believe in Today, and I want to talk about these things today. I'm glad Faith Baptist Church still believes in these things. But we're going we're gonna to talk about them. We're going to uh, see what the Bible says about them in this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter number 3, verse number 1, it says this. In those days came John the Baptist, and what was he doing? Preaching in the wilderness of Judea. We have a lot of good uh, motivational speakers in today's society that call themselves preachers. Well, back in those days, they believed in preaching, first of all. And we need to get back to just believing in preaching. You understand, the Bible says it's the preaching of the Word of God that helps change hearts and change lives. How shall they hear without a preacher? And the Bible talks about the preaching of the Word of God. In verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. We have a lot of churches today that don't believe in preaching anymore. They don't believe in calling sin, sin. They don't believe in getting up behind this pulpit and opening up the word of God and saying, thus saith the Lord. They try to stand up and make people hear what they want to hear just so they can draw a crowd. And they'll try to appeal, appeal to people's flesh and to appeal to people's uh, conscience. And they try to say, hey, listen, listen, it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter uh, what you say. As long as you're happy, God's happy. And that's a false statement. We need to get back to preaching once again. Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 4, if you would, in your Bibles, please. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
Paul had taught his preacher boy Timothy some things about what God wanted him to do. God called Timothy to preach. That's what he called him to do. He called Paul to preach. He had his disciples to preach the word. And as they were going through their life, they preached Jesus. And every time that uh, somebody asked them, well, what is it in thee that's, gonna, uh, that's causing all of this to happen? It said, it's Jesus whom thou persecutest. And they preached Jesus. But look what 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4 and verse number, uh, number 2 says. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and doctrine. You say, preacher, what's the kind of preaching that he's talking about? It's not preaching of man's opinions or man's philosophies. It's preaching the word of God. When we open up the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord, that's the kind of preaching God's talking about. He says to be instant in season and out of season, to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You know what he's saying is preach the doctrines of the word of God. Don't change from the right hand to the left hand. Don't waver this way or that way. Just stay steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord and just preach the word. And that's what we need to believe in today is preaching the word. You know why a lot of people get offended when the word of God's being preached is because they don't love the law of God. The Bible says, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know why people get offended is because they don't love this book and cherish this book. And we need to get back to loving this book and cherishing this book. And if we love this book and we cherish this book, we're going to love the preaching of this book. And we need to get back to believing and preaching once again. If you want to go to a church that doesn't preach the word, there's many of them you can choose. You want to go to a place where they're just going to tell you what you want to hear. There's many of them that you could choose. But I would say this, as long as I have breath by the grace of God, it's not going to be Faith Baptist Church that you come to that doesn't preach the Word. We're going to preach the Word of God. We're not going to change from that. Why? Because preaching is still what changes lives. The Word of God being preached is what changes. That's what changed my life. Hearing the Word of God. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what ought a preaching be about? It ought to be about Jesus who came into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. Well, preacher, who is that? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means everybody other than Jesus who's ever physically been born on this earth is a sinner and on their way to hell without God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible said that the wages of sin is death. That death is not just physical, but yet spiritual and eternal in hell forever. That lake of fire, that's the second death the Bible talks about. You say, preacher, why are you guys so hard about this, uh, this salvation through Jesus Christ? Because listen, somebody who's preaching the word doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. Because God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're preaching the word, you're not going to preach a, uh, an elect group of people go to heaven. You're preaching the word. You're not going to preach that uh, you can work your way to heaven because it says not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy had he saved us. You preach the word. You're not going to preach that you can get there just by uh, doing good things or attending church or doing this and that. You're going to preach the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the word that needs to be preached. We need to understand that all of us are sinners and because all fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. But man, I'm glad for what the word says after that. But the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Though we're deserving of hell, though in my sin I deserve to burn forever in a lake of fire, the love of God that was commended upon me when Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I can rejoice in the fact today and put a spring in my step today to understand the fact that Jesus loved me when I was unlovable, that God looked down upon me and what for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, do you hear what I said? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the word of God. And that's what we ought to get back to preaching again. That salvation's for all. You say, well, preacher, uh, you know, I believe that, that, that I'm a sinner and I believe that my sin deserves hell and I believe that God, God loved me. There's something else you need to believe is that he was buried and he rose again. That's part of the gospel. He's not a dead God. He's a living Savior. Why? Because up from the grave he arose and he took the keys of death and hell and he offers life to anyone who will receive it. And you, friend, today, by faith, will trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You can have your destination changed. You can go to heaven today. Old things can be passed away. Behold, all things can become new in Christ Jesus. That's the word of God. And if you come to a place that preaches the word, it said in those days, John went around preaching. And listen, we need to have preaching once again. We need to be back to preaching. I was watching a, a clip, and uh, oftentimes people say, well, you shouldn't call people out. Listen, if people are false preachers, I'm going to call them out. And one of the biggest ones that, that is out there that have a big following, Joel Osteen. The guy was talking about if somebody's poor, then they don't bring pleasure to God. If they're poor and broken, they don't bring pleasure to God. That you have to have a good appearance if you're going to please the Lord. Listen to what John the Baptist wore. A leather girdle about himself. He had skins on his body. He ate locust and wild honey. You think if somebody looked at him, they'd think, man, he's a wealthy fella. No, the fact of the matter is wealth don't make you spiritual. Activity is not a substitute for spirituality. And preaching the word is this. What pleases God is you living holy, righteously, and godly in this present world and having faith in God. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. They ought to believe in preaching. Preaching on salvation. You being saved. Listen, if you're in this room today, let me tell you, God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. That's God's will for your life, is he wants you to be saved. See, God wants you to trust him as your savior. He's not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish. So he made a way for all of us to go to heaven. How is that? Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried, rose again, offers life for us. And he says, listen, all the hard stuff, that wage that you deserved, I did that already. All you have to do is by faith. Like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, I think about gifts. Every one of us like gifts. The Bible says better given than to receive. You know, Christmas time, when I was young, Brother Eddie, I used to love waking up you know what my favorite thing is i know you guys are going to think this is funny you know what my favorite thing was was what i got in the stocking that's what i that was my favorite thing you say but what in your presence you know there was times i got guns and things like that but you know what you ask my parents today my mom will say what do you want for christmas i say just make sure i have my stocking that's all i say why because i get beef jerky and i get stuff like that you know what i love those kind of things deer jerky all that kind of stuff it's all good why because it's meat praise the lord you notice, hey, I saw this clip yesterday, and this is a sidetrack, a rabbit ran by, so I'm just going to hit it here. It said, in the ark, did God save the vegetables or the meat? God saved the meat, didn't he? Praise the Lord. That's not Bible, but that's just something for you to throw out there, okay, and laugh about. 
So don't quote me on that being Bible. That's not Bible, okay? The fact is, it's, it's not, not wrong for you to eat meat. It's not wrong for you to eat vegetables. Just let your body be a temple of the Lord that you take care of, okay? So praise the Lord for that. That was just a funny side note on the, on, on the, the thing. But the, you know what? I, I love gifts. But you know what I love more than anything now is giving gifts. I love watching my kids open presents. I like seeing other people, man, with a smile on their face when they get something. And you know what? God loves to give a gift, the gift of his son. And I can imagine just as much joy as I get out of it, Brother Eddie, when I see my kids open up those presents, maybe on their birthday or Christmas time. And I just see the excitement on their face. And man, it just, man, there's just this excitement about, man, I got to give that to them. What a blessing. I want you to understand how much heaven rejoices over one sinner that, that comes to the Lord Jesus. That gift of eternal life that it's given to us. The payment was a big payment. His son Jesus, his only begotten son, who died on the cross for us. Said the gift of God is eternal life through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that's the word. We need to get back to preaching the word. There's a lot of places you can go that don't preach the word today. You know what, Brother Scott? People are going to go to church, and they're going to sit down in church, and they're not going to hear a message from the gospel. They're not going to hear the word of God being preached. You know what they're going to hear is that, oh, hey, I'm glad you came today. Give in the offering. God will be pleased with you. Do all this stuff, and then you go on your merry way. Don't worry about if you're living a life of sin. Don't worry about if you're doing this or doing that. God's okay with all the stuff that you're doing because you're here today, and God's just blessed with your presence. You remember what he said to the church of Laodicea, I would that you were cold or hot. When we're lukewarm, what's he say? He says, you make me sick. I spew you out of my mouth. God doesn't want you on both sides of the fence. God wants you to choose what side you're on. See, that's preaching. We need to get back to preaching. Preaching on salvation. Preaching on separation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Say, why is it important to have a church where we get preaching? Look at verse 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. The Bible says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased the Lord by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. See what it said? It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them. That believe. See, for the Jews required a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Understand this God understood what preaching is all about preaching of the word. They believed in those days of preaching. John the Baptist spoke to them. And he was preaching the word of God. He started out with the preaching of the word of God. And not only did they believe in preaching, but look at uh, verse number 2 again of Matthew chapter number 3. Turn back there if you would to our text uh, this morning. Matthew chapter number 3. Verse number 1, it said, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness and saying, here was part of his message. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He believed in repentance. He believed that it was right for us to repent 
and turn back to the Lord. Verse 11 of that same chapter says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Listen, they believed in repentance. We don't believe in repentance today. A lot of people say, well, repentance isn't necessary in today's society. Oh, repentance is very necessary. It's very necessary. Part of preaching the word is preaching repentance. It said in those days, John went about preaching and he said this, repent ye. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what he's saying is, listen, turn away from your wicked devices. Turn away from the things in which you're living. Turn away from all your false beliefs and ideologies that you have and turn to God. Because that's what repentance is about. It's turning away from this unto something else. That's what repentance is all about. And when we get saved, guess what we do? We repent of our sins to God. We turn away and we trust Jesus Christ, right? Does that mean that we're always going to live holy, righteously, and godly? No, we have to choose every day to turn away from ourselves and go to God. It's an important thing. Repentance. He said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You say, preacher, why do we preach on repentance? Because I believe there's a lot of times in our lives we think because nobody knows about what we're doing. That it's okay. And that because nobody, nobody knows about what we're doing, that we can just keep living the way that we're supposed to live. But God says, listen, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. God knows what's in your heart. And he says, repent ye. Repent ye. Repentance is something we need to preach about again. And we need to believe about today. They believed in preaching. They believed in repentance. Look at verse number 6 of Matthew chapter 3. says, and they were baptized in him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So they believed in baptism. Guess what? Baptism is still a vital part of the work of the Lord. Does baptism save you? No. The Bible doesn't talk about baptism saving you. Baptism is a picture of what took place inside of you. Of what Jesus Christ did. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the gospel. It's a picture of old things being passed away. Behold, all things becoming new. It's identifying as God's child. That's what baptism is all about. So why did Jesus do it? He was setting an example for you and I. When Jesus did that, and you notice what baptism is all about, it said he came up out of the water, which meant he had to go down into the water. It wasn't talking about a sprinkling. It wasn't talking about a splashing of water on someone's head. It was talking about an immersion and a coming up out of the water. If you go to Acts chapter 8, we don't turn there for sake of time, but where Philip uh, was ministering to that Ethiopian eunuch and he said, Look, here's water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? He said, If thou believest with thy heart, thou mayest. He talked about it first. First, you've got to be saved is what he told him. Thou believest with a heart, thou mayest. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That shows his repentance, his turning away from his own self to God. Then he gets, they command the chariot to stop. He trusted Jesus as a Savior. They go down into the water. He was baptized and they came up out of the water. That's true biblical baptism. That's what the Bible talks about. Why aren't the baptismal waters stirred in today's society? Why don't people do it? Oh, they feel there's no need for that. God commands us to be baptized. He said once they were saved, then they were baptized, then they were added unto the church. If Jesus did it as our example, guess what? We ought to follow in his footsteps. Maybe you're here today, you say, preacher, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. Listen, let's get that taken care of. Why? Because we've got to obey the Lord. 
And they believed in baptism back in those days. Look at verse 15 and 16 of Matthew chapter number 3. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open. And he saw a Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, the voice of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen, baptism, I believe, still pleases God. I believe it pleases God. Why? Because not only does, do people see, oh, when somebody got saved, they, some people may not really understand sometimes, Brother Jeff, what it meant in somebody's heart to be saved. But when they see that baptismal water stirred, and they see about the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they see that picture of old things being passed away, behold, all things become new in Christ Jesus, guess what it does? It identifies what salvation was to them. It's a testimony. It's a preaching of the gospel just by seeing people get baptized why because it's that that uh that remembrance it's an emblem for you and i to understand what it was all about it's a picture of what christ did for you and i they believed in preaching they believed in repentance they believed in baptism let's look at verse 6 again of matthew chapter 3 and they were baptized of him in jordan look what it says confessing their sins you know they believed in confessing their sins not someone else's sins not good at pointing out other people's faults but confessing their sins first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness what's the the purpose of confessing our sins listen you don't have to come to me and say preacher i've done this 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 and this and i'm just telling you i'm trying to confess it to get it right listen i can't forgive your sins only god can forgive your sins you don't have to come to me and say, Preacher, I, I pray that you'll forgive me of all of my sins. And this. Listen, I'm just a human just like you are. I can't forgive your sins just like no priest can forgive your sins. But there's one high priest, one mediator between us and God, the man Christ Jesus, who makes intercession for you and I. And guess what? When we come boldly to that throne of the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done, He's the one that forgives us of our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Listen, you don't have to confess your faults or your sins to me. The Bible says, well, the Bible tells us to confess our faults one to another. You know what that means? Basically, people need to realize that we're not perfect. We're sinners, but we're still trying to serve the Lord and do the best we can. I don't have to come tell you everything I've ever done, and you don't have to tell me everything you've ever done. But God already knows everything you've ever done. He's willing to forgive it if you'll just confess it to him. He's willing to forgive it if you'll confess it. But see, we, we have this idea that confession and repentance have nothing to do with each other. But see, if you read the book of Proverbs, it says, Whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. They go together. See, confessing our sins to the Lord isn't just saying, Lord, I've messed up. It's, Lord, forgive me for what I've done and turning away from it and trying to do better. That's what we have to do. See, I was talking about this one day to somebody, and I tried to use the illustration to try to help them understand what the Bible is talking about. I had somebody come to me one time and say, why was God so hard on King Saul and he wasn't hard on David? It seemed like David's sin was worse than what Saul's was. 
God told Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites and he went out there and they, they took of some of the best of the things, the chief of the things, and they spared Agag the king and they come back and Samuel's there and uh, Saul walks up with this self-righteous attitude and he said, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way that the Lord sent me. And the preacher said, really, what that mean it doesn't the bleeding of the sheep in mine ear and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? He said, because thou hast rejected the voice of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Basically, Saul lost his kingdom because he disobeyed God. And we say, man, what in the world? Here, David, uh, he, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He sent Uriah, got, got Uriah drunk, sent Uriah out with a, a death sentence in his hand to give to Joab and send him to the forefront of the hottest battle. And Uriah then died. And uh, so he basically was guilty of murder. He was guilty of adultery. He was guilty of all of this. But yet still God found favor with David. That doesn't sound fair, does it? The problem is, is we need to look at the way each of them responded to the correction that was given by God. See, when Saul was confronted by Samuel, Saul didn't have a repentant heart. Saul didn't have this confessing of his own sins and say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. I've sinned against the Lord and I need to get this right. Saul said this, oh, I've sinned, please do me no harm. You know, he said this, well, I'm sorry I got caught, but, you know, don't do anything to me. When David was confronted by Nathan the prophet, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. And he repented and asked God to forgive him and he turned away from it. And God was teaching us a principle that it doesn't matter how deep the sin is. If you'll come with a confessing heart and a repentant spirit, God will forgive you. Does that mean there's not consequences? No, the baby died. Remember, there's still consequences. But God forgave him and God let David keep his kingdom. Saul, because he didn't respond properly, got bitter. And lived a life of bitterness and ruined his life because, I mean, he even got mad at his own son. Threw a javelin trying to kill his own son because of the guilt of his own sin. Because he wasn't willing to just confess it and turn away from it and give it to God. You know, I believe we have a lot of miserable people today because they're not willing to just confess their sins and turn away from it. We have a lot of people that are miserable today because they just, they will not. They hold on to that, man. During that invitation, they hold on the back of that pew and they just say, Lord, I'm not going. I don't care what you try to do. You can twist me and pull me and do whatever you want, but I'm not going to confess it. And you wonder why they live miserable. And it seems like down the road, it just seems like, man, how could somebody get that far away from God? Because if you're not willing to confess your sins or repent of it, God's not going to have mercy. But if you confess it and forsake it, guess what the Bible says? You shall have mercy. They believed in preaching. They believed in repentance. They believed in baptism. They believed in confessing of sins. Look at Matthew 3, verse 7 and 8. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. John the Baptist didn't look at him and say, Oh my goodness, the Pharisees are here. I don't want to offend anyone. You know what he believed in? He believed in taking a stand. John believed in taking a stand. The Pharisees and the Sadducees showed up. And you know what, Brother Jeff, I don't believe he was like, Oh, they're a generation of vipers. I believe he pointed his finger right at him and said, You guys are a generation of vipers. You know what? He wasn't afraid to take a stand for what's right. We believe, they believed in taking a stand. We need to take a stand today. Listen, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. 
you got to take a stand. The Bible tells us to stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He said all of these things we need to take upon ourselves. Why? Because that's what's necessary for us to stand in today's day and age in which we live. And that's been what's necessary for us to stand all throughout time. Back in those days, they believed about taking a stand. He called them old generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. He said, listen, why are you even here? You don't want to have to hear what I have to say. You're not here to do it. You're here to try to criticize and mock and poke fun at something. He said, listen, you're nothing more than a generation of vipers. He was, he was willing to take a stand. You know what? We have too many passive Christians today. Now listen, I don't believe we ought to go out and try to cause a fight with everybody we come in contact with. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe we ought to take a stand on the Word of God. We ought to take a stand for it. You young people, listen up. There's going to be people in your life going to try to get you to waver off of the Word of God. You just need to take a stand for what God says. Hey, you don't have to listen to mom and dad. Oh, yes, I do. The Bible says children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. You need to take a stand. Mom and dad, you need to take a stand because there's a world out there telling your young people that, listen, they don't have to trust in what mom and dad say. They don't have to do this. You know what is going to help your children more than anything is seeing a godly example for mom and dad. Taking a stand. Taking a stand for what's right. Why don't you do the things that the world says? Because they don't please God. Take a stand. They believed in taking a stand. We have too many people. See, real preaching takes a stand. Motivational speaking doesn't always take a stand. Okay, we, we don't come to church to hear a motivational speaker. We come to church to hear the word. That's what we come to church for. If you come to hear a motivational speaker, I let you down today. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the one that motivates you. The word of God is what motivates you. There's good orators that, man, you can sit there and listen to them and think, wow. That preaching, they preached for an hour and a half, and it seemed like 10 minutes. But you go back and listen to the sermon, there wasn't one ounce of Scripture in it. I'm not up here to tell stories. I'm not up here to do this. I'm up here to preach the Word. They believed in that. When we get back to preaching, get back to repentance, get back to baptism, get back to confessing our sins, get back to taking a stand. They believed also, look at verse 3. For this is he that was spoken to you by the prophet Isaiah, saying that, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Look what it said, make his paths straight. They believed in straight living. Straight living. Verse number 8, bring forth there now fruit, meat for repentance. Well, you got the hand of the Lord that shows that you really believe in him. If God came back today and you stood at that judgment seat of Christ, those of you that are saved, would your works show that you believed in God. When you're standing there and giving account for what you've done for the Lord, would he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because we live straight lives. He commands us to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. And listen, as I was going through studying this this week, I had to spend some time, Brother Ron, honestly, between me and the Lord, fixing some things inside of me. Because as I thought about straight living, you say, oh, well, you're the pastor of the church. You mean there's times you waver off? I'm flesh just like you. Sometimes I get a discouraged spirit. Sometimes I get an angry spirit. Sometimes I get a discouraged spirit or a defeated heart. Or I get all kinds of things happen to me that happen to you because we're all flesh. 
But you know what I have to do? I have to come back to just living a straight life for the Lord. And if we live a straight life, that means we're not declining to the right hand or to the left. We're staying steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. That means I'm reading my Bible when I don't feel like reading my Bible. That means I'm praying when I don't feel like praying. That means I'm still trying to be a witness when I don't feel like being a witness. Why? Because that's right to do and God commands it. And I keep doing those things and keep doing those things and keep doing those things because I just want to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. And I don't want people to see me. I want people to see Jesus in me. And that's what straight living is all about. You know what, you can't disguise yourself like the world and say, well, I'm just trying to do what the world does so I can win them to Jesus. If you're doing what they're doing, they're not going to need what Jesus has because they're going to see that you're the same as them. But we try to use that excuse oftentimes, well, I'm going to the bar to reach the drunks. No, you're not. Don't try to... Don't try to Throw that out there. Well, I'm just doing this because I want to reach them. No, if you want to reach them, you uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's something that ought to be different about God's people when they look at us. Does that mean that when we see people that are in the world that we don't try to reach out to them? No, that's not what that means. It means we don't develop their way of thinking and their philosophies to try to win them over to Jesus. What do we preach to them? We preach Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, what's going to turn my life around? Nothing but Jesus. What, what can I do? Maybe, preacher, I'm going to come to the church because it's a family-oriented church. You're right, it is. And you come here, people are going to greet you and they're going to welcome you, but that's not what's going to change your life. What's going to change your life is Jesus. And seeing people living straight, doing the right thing. You say, preacher, there's some things in my life that I know aren't right. Get it right today. Easy fix. Get it right. It's not that easy, preacher. Sure it is. Die to self and give it to God. Whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Is that Pastor Caldwell's words or God's words? God's words. Can you trust God's words? Yes. God said it. Just believe what he has to say. See, in those days, they believed in preaching. And that's what you need to get when you come to church is preaching. You know why we don't come to church? Oftentimes, well, I just don't like the fact that preacher yells too much. That preacher raises his voice too much. That preacher, man, all he ever talks about is living holy and righteously and godly, telling me what I can't do, and I'm not allowed to live for doing this, and I'm not allowed to do that, and I'm not allowed to do this, and I'm not allowed to do that. Why don't you quit dwelling on what you can't do because that's what your flesh wants to do and get back to what God says you can do in the Spirit? Listen, I love being a Christian, and I can remember it. Isn't that a blessing? You know what? If I have a fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, man, it's not a drunk fest. And the next day we don't wake up with a bunch of headaches, vomiting in the commode and all those things. We enjoy each other's fellowship, and we remember it. Somebody come up to you, well, so-and-so did this. No, they didn't. We remember. We, you know, we're not... We're not saying, well, I, I don't remember what all happened last night, right? See, because that's the world's way. They think that's, that's fun. The fact of the matter is this. You need to live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. Well, preacher, I just, you know, I have this bad habit. It's hard to kick. It is hard to kick. But you think Jesus can help you with it? Sure he can. I remember my granddad telling me testimony about he used to smoke all the time. Struggled with it. And I uh, got saved, went to church, and man, he got rid of drinking immediately. That, that wasn't hard for him, but the cigarettes were a little harder. 
I remember him saying that his preacher looked at him and said, uh, Brother Jack, won't you teach a Sunday school class? He said, Preacher, I can't do that. He goes, I, I'm smoking. And his preacher said, well, that's easy to fix. Quit smoking. He said, how am I supposed to do that? He, goes, he said, well, quit smoking and you can teach Sunday school class. He said, man. So he came out and put his cigarettes up on the pulpit and said, Preacher, I can't do it. You get rid of them for me. So the preacher did. And guess what? He never smoked a cigarette again. Why? Because God told him he needed to teach a Sunday school class. And he'd get rid of that. And he just obeyed God. God can help you get victory over it. Oftentimes, we, we're our biggest enemy because we're not willing to confess it and forsake it. We have too much dependence upon it. Listen, you say, well, preacher, now you're just talking about my sin. No, I'm talking about any sin that has a stronghold in your life. Anything that's in your life that needs to get out of it. Maybe it's pride. Every one of us could raise our hands on that one. We struggle with pride. Pride's what stops us from confessing and forsaking Pride's what stops us from attending church as God wants us to attend church. Pride's what stops us from giving. Pride's what stops us from doing all this. Why? It's the root. That's where it stems up from is pride. See, even Lucifer, if you remember in the book of Isaiah where it said, he said, I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'll be as the most high. You know what was wrong inside of Lucifer? Pride. Remember Goliath coming out there? Am I a dog that you come to me in this? He said, send me out a man to fight that I may give his carcass to the birds. He was full of pride. But the Bible says pride comes before destruction and the Holy Spirit before a fall. Oftentimes we allow pride. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's unthankfulness. Whatever the sin may be, the fact is we need to get it right before God. We need to take a stand. We need to live straight. We need to confess our sins. If you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. They believed in repentance. They believed in preaching. In those days, it said John the Baptist went about preaching. What did he preach? Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He baptized them. They were confessing their sins. He took a stand amongst the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Listen, there's going to come people that will try to uh, criticize your stand for God. Just take a stand. Just take a stand. A lot of people have, have quit preaching truth because they were worried about what other people would say. Listen, if it's the Word of God, you ought not to be ashamed of it. You ought not to step back on it. You ought to keep preaching it. Why? Because that's the Bible what god says and we ought to preach it without apology i don't apologize for preaching truth i don't apologize for preaching the bible you say preacher i got offended well then you need to do some work what do i need to do some work about loving the law of god loving the law of god now listen if i said something in my own opinion that offended you i apologize for that but if I say something according to the word of God that offends you, I'm not going to apologize for it. Why? Because we ought to preach the word. We ought to preach the word. People don't like us preaching about salvation by grace through faith. There's people don't like us preaching about eternal security. People don't like us preaching about baptism by immersion. People don't like us about preaching about tithing. People don't like us preaching about a holy living and righteous living. People don't like us preaching about separation and standards and, and doing the right thing. People don't like those kind of preaching, but that's what the Bible says. And we need to just preach the word to be instant in season, out of season. Listen, if you're here today, you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You need to trust him today. He said, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Won't you trust him today? But maybe you're here this morning and you are saved. But you've kind of backed up. On confessing our sins and. On living straight, 
on taking a stand on repentance. There's many other topics we could talk about this morning, but back in those days, they believed it. And Jeremiah 6, 16, still in the Bible, Stand ye in the way and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your soul. Listen, if it was good enough back then, it's good enough today. Even though it's 2019, almost 2020, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same. He never changes. So we ought not to change when it comes to preaching the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. You ought to rejoice in the fact that we still have the word to be preached. Because there's other people in other countries that would give their right arm to have a copy of this book. And we have multiple copies of it. And it sits on our shelf, collects dust all the time. Because we just, it's optional. Listen, it's not optional for us to serve the Lord. It's not optional for us to confess our sins. It's not optional for us to repent. God tells us to. So if we don't do it, then we're in disobedience. And God chastens his children that live in disobedience. Am I trying to scare you in that? No, the Lord loves you. That's why he's going to chasten you. But the reason he does it is to bring you back unto himself. Listen, I want you to know God more than you've ever known him. But the way that happens is you've got to get rid of the dirt inside of us so that you can follow after him and his righteousness and live in him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.